Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Peinecker, and I just wanted to say a few things. First of all, folks, don't forget mormonbookreviews.com is our merch store. Um, I just had somebody buy some stuff the other day. Uh, just remember, there's a lot of stuff on there if you want to support the channel. And this month's book drawing is Rescuing the Restoration, The Lord Sets His Hand Again. For those of you who are interested, this is a scholarly thing, about papers written about uh, the independent restorationist movement that is affiliated with Denver Snuffer. So if you're interested in that topic, please just go into uh, into the show notes and my email is there, mormonbookreviews.com. Put in the uh, subject line, book contest, and leave me your name and address. And we are giving away two copies this month. So that's this month's drawing. Well, folks, you're looking here and you're seeing this guy. We got this uh, quick media, quick show. What is, who is this guy? I see him online a lot. And why is Stephen Pinecker having him on his program? And I'll tell you, folks, this is the reason why. I got a lot of flack for having Jacob Hansen come on my program last month. And people attacked the thumbnail. But the people who actually watched the video loved the interview. And I am very... I was a little disappointed because I, pri I primarily have scholars, progressive people, nuanced Mormons, post-Mormons. Also, of course, I do have a lot of true blue Mormons on, but I kind of skew that direction. And I can have all these people on that maybe are very liberal or bash the Book of Mormon. I don't hear anything from conservatives about it. Hardly, hardly anything. But boy, I put somebody's right of center on a thumbnail and I get attacked. So folks, I'm asking you, if, watch the video first. He has a reputation. I don't think it's a fair reputation. I don't think you would even categorize yourself as right wing. So I know it's no. going to be controversial having you on the program, but I want to get that out front. Let's watch the interview and then comment on it. Greg Manson, quick show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks for the invite. So what I wanted to do today, and I reached out to him a while back, because guess what, folks? A ton of people who watch my channel watch his program, too. So a lot of my audience members, there's a lot of over. So I didn't know who you were. And I thought, well, I got to check this guy out and see where, what makes you tick. So we had a nice conversation last month, got to know each other a little bit. And um, I just asked, I wanted you to come on to tell a little bit about your background. I want people to know who is Greg Matson, And then I want us to talk about your show. So Greg, who is Greg Matson, And what's the deal with quick media? Uh, who is Greg Matson? Wow. Uh, I'm just a guy that... Uh had an idea several years back of uh, putting together a podcast on LDS cult cultural issues. Uh, habit is back in 2012, I read and was introduced for the first time to Jonathan Haidt, uh, the, uh, uh, the social psychologist who's a best-selling author and now all over YouTube and, and many other publications. And he had come out with a book, uh, The Righteous Mind, and he started talking about what was happening on college campuses and how there had been a massive cultural shift with students and even with faculty on kind of this, uh, you seeing campuses as kind of their new home and they needed to purify it. And this social phenomena that was happening. And, and of course, bringing up these microaggressions and, and, a lot of other verbiage that did not exist before this, except for in the very fringe areas of the social studies departments previous to that. And he kept writing and, and talking about these things. And they just really inter interested me. I've got four kids that have all gone to college and, and uh, I, I started really seeing this and then trying to apply it into the church and starting to see just a few of these elements inside of uh, 
with the Latter-day Saints. And so I've studied this stuff for 10 years. I, what, what I, this stuff I would call is critical social justice. I've studied it for, for the last 10 years and maybe 11 years now. And, and, uh, thought, you know what, I, I really want to start talking about this and, and putting it out there. And, and, uh, a lot of people don't know what is going on, where, what is the DNA behind this? And, and so at the time I had a wealth management firm and, uh, was trying to find the time to, how am I going to make this work? And, and, uh, my wife, the Come Follow Me program came along, and I've always studied the scriptures and always been very interested in how to look at things uh, in the scriptures. And and so my wife says, no, you're doing this first. And I was getting all ready to do my little cultural thing. And she says, no, you're doing this first. So I started off with Come Follow Me back in 2019, right when it started. I've done all four years of that. So I've got that portion of, of what I do. I've got these lenses that I call interpreters that are a way to look at the gospel, right? To look at the scriptures. And so I kind of put this system together and I'm finishing up a book right now on those interpreters. But then I just couldn't hold back. And so I started going out into the cultural things and and uh, and doing what really, I, you know, an, another thing that I really have a passion for. And that's when the, when the channel really started to explode. Back in 2019, I also sold my practice, uh, got really, really sick, and had to figure things out. So my wife then, and I listened to my wife a lot. My wife said, uh, you need to sell your practice and, and focus in on your health and figure out what's going on. So we did that, figured some things out, uh, back on track. I had some real scares, very, very tough scares. And, uh, so then we came back on track. So now I do this full time. This is all I've got. And, uh, I, I work with quick media full time. We do the show quick show, uh, we've got the book coming out. We've got courses coming out. Uh, we've got trips that we're doing, going down the Nile and other cruises and and something on the restoration sites and uh, American founding sites, uh, a, a tour that I call Liberty and the Doctrine of Christ and how they must be together, work together. Uh, the Nile that we're doing in September is all about the temple, because if you want to learn about the temple, you go to Egypt. And... Uh, and then so I've got another him, one so called, Nav right? called Navigating the Philosophies of Men, which is basically taking in all of these new cultural phenomena and these new ideologies that we're seeing explode, especially with George Floyd, right? And, and say, look, I mean, what is this? How does it work? How does it look when you look at the gospel? And, and here we are. You know, I, I was going to talk a little bit about, I want to talk, talk about your background, but since we're on the topic, I think let's just talk, let's just, just deep, let's just take a dive into your podcast. And then, then, then I want you to give some background because um, I'm still learning about you. I find you to be a very interesting person. And again, folks, when I, when I know it's controversial, but I thought, you know, part of the point of my program is, is that I want to have all the voices of the restoration on my program. And you had said lenses, interpreters, you are viewing things through that you've been informed by your prophets. You've been informed by you know, the teachings of them. You have been informed by your scriptures, including the Book of Mormon. And so this is what influences your worldview. So you are a product of the restoration. Sure. And that's my point of my program is to talk to all these particular different voices. And so uh, for those of you who would want to say, well, he, he shouldn't be platform. Well, first of all, he's got a much bigger platform than I do. So that don't matter. And second of all, um, I think it's important to hear this because I'm very fascinated by what, you know, what motivates people what what are their influences? And you are an important voice within the restoration. So I think that's really important. So I, I first of all, quick, 
What's this? What is quick? What does that mean? Quick is an old English word, and it means alive and intelligent. Okay. And uh, so it's basically the, uh, you know, if you were looking at uh, King James version verbiage and you talk about being quickened, right? That's, if you go back further, that's Jacobian English. If you go back further into old English, you get quick, which is CWIC. Really cool. So the clever name and that's, and then, so like, let me ask you, like, so you decide you're going to start this podcast, this program, tell me what was that the first name that came to be, or were you think toying with other ideas? Where did the idea of even have coming up with that? Happen? So, so my first idea was, look, I, cause, cause really with, with the, uh, with the, with the direction I take this, right. I'm, I'm very much a TBN, right. And, 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 and very sustaining of the brethren and, yeah, I'm all in, right? I'm all in, but I'm also critical of the culture, and and so I I wanted something that that talked a little bit about uh, that, that kind of said, look, he's in the Mormon world, and but maybe a little bit maverickish, right? So so the the original name was Mormonado, and yeah. I went on my mission to uh, to Mexico City. And so I went with Mormon Auto and I actually had a a if you if you can think of the remember the uh picture of I want I think it's Moroni with a with a title of liberty, right? That there that, that was done by Freeberg. Mm -hmm. And uh so I had that with kind of a, a Clint Eastwood hat on him. And uh <laughs> that was the icon of Mormon Auto at the time. So that's that's what I started with. And, and then of course when President Nelson said, oh, we don't want to go with Mormon anymore. That's when I made the change in uh, in the name. Okay. Okay. That's, that's, yeah, that, that's a great, that's a very stunning image with him holding the title of Liberty. And yeah. I'm a Freiburg guy myself. That's, that's, that's like, like people have their favorite painters. That's my guy. That's actually yeah. what got me involved in Mormonism from the first place was, was right? seeing those paintings as an eight year old yeah. boy in a Marriott hotel Seeing coming through the book, the book of mormon. mormon yeah yeah so that's that's a big art so, <laughs> so and then of course yeah that is interesting like, let me ask you a question so president nelson decides and he doesn't want us using the name mormon again and and that that a lot of people change their names three mormons now is uh you know saints unscripted um mm -hmm. what as of just a tbm you're used to saying mormon and 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 they spent hundreds of millions of dollars or whatever on the i'm a mormon campaign I tell people, so, you know, we really, you know, if you really want to reach out uh, to the TBM audience, you really should be going by Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, which I do. But mm -hmm. I also say, but because in my name, it's Mormon. I said, but yeah, but I said, my channel is for all the branches of Mormonism. That makes sense. You know, so sense. it has to be Mormon. Yeah. But but also I said, you know, if the church is willing to pay for me to get therapy to have that, that because those commercials are so drummed in my head. Every time I'm watching a video, I'm watching a, I'm a Mormon. Maybe I'll consider not using that term. But what's yeah. it like just being a regular person like, OK, the prophets changed the name. I I, I think that's 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 interesting because we don't have that in our world. How do you respond to stuff like that? Well, if I'm blunt, I didn't like it at first. OK, at all. Right. I was very much a Hinkley guy. I loved what he did. I love the whole idea. Let's just embrace this and turn it to a positive. You know, this was uh, remember when the uh, the Book of Mormon musical was out. And I, and I remember hearing relatives and friends saying this is horrible and blasphemous and look what they're doing. And I, and I just thought to myself, no, you know, fine, maybe it is. But this is wonderful. I mean, this is this brings a light to the church, period. People might look into it a little bit more. I didn't have a problem with that. 
it's not that I supported everything that was in it, but I thought this enters the church a little bit more into the culture and more and more people are going to look into it. And, and the name Mormon was obviously a part of that with the book of Mormon. And that's the other thing I, I thought, Oh, wait a minute. You know, Mormon obviously is tied to the title book of Mormon. That makes sense to me, but it was always a pejorative. It started out as a pejorative obviously. And, and, uh, but Joseph Smith embraced it early on and others embraced it early on. But I understand what 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 he's doing. And I, I, I agree with it. I agreed with it intelligently, intellectually, but it was hard to make that change. Okay. I, and that took me a long time. I, it really did. I, I am I, I'm a TBM, but that was that really has taken me a long time. I, I think I'm finally there. My wife like was there instantly. <laughs> I, I, I it took me forever. Well, I'm just telling you though, how. Do you change the name Mormon Tabernacle Choir? That's like changing the name of Coca-Cola. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I I think you're right. That's a that's a that's a big change. It really is. It really is. But it's interesting because I like to hear just what other regular folk think about that kind of stuff and how you're mm -hmm. able to, you know, integrate those changes because you you believe that you have a living prophet who Hey, this is the direction the church is yeah. going. And, and in one sense, that's kind of an advantage you guys have, right? You get well, you know, have... and there is some intelligence behind it, right? So it's saying. Okay. You know, not only is that what it does say in the Book of Mormon, it actually says that in the Book of Mormon. This is the name of my church and the way it should be called. Mm -hmm. But it, 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 it focuses more in on Jesus Christ. And you know, so you've always had this idea. It's it's come. It's been taken decades and decades for other Christians, for example, to think that we are even Christians, and many still don't. And it, it's taken decades for them to realize many of them to even realize that we worship Jesus Christ. And, and so I think the more we focus in on that, I think that's the right thing. It's just, it's just difficult to get there. <laughs> I can imagine. I can imagine. So you decide you're going to start this channel. You got your name now and you, and you, at first you were going to do the cultural stuff, but then you decided to go to come follow me. So this is more of a devotional program in one sense at that point. Mm -hmm. So then, so now it's a devotional program. You do the all four years of the come follow me what let me ask you spiritually going on that journey and going through your scriptures um and then having a program about it how did it help you in your spiritual walk well i think it helped me greatly i mean uh, no question i think it's just just having that doing the podcast more than just even the come follow me program right because i mean we've been doing something similar in the church forever i mean we go through those same books every year in sunday school it just hasn't been quite as emphasized at home the way the come follow me program is and you know and and it's not as scripted right before come follow me you had a sunday school manual that was a lot more scripted into what you're supposed to talk about and that was even less scripted than what we had say back in the 70s where it was really scripted so it, that that has made a difference in 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 and and just being able to it's kind of like being a teacher, right? You you learn more when you teach than you do than, than when you're a student, because you're 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 trying to articulate everything to your audience, and so in the podcast that helps me quite a bit, is because I'm I'm putting it together. I've already got all the information in my head, but putting it together so that it makes sense and it art and, and articulating what I'm talking about and those interpreters that I'm talking about, um, it, it just, it makes you refine things a little bit. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's, uh, and, and, and of course you're, 
because you're an active participant, because you're doing the program, you're probably engaging it more than you are just as a passive reader of it, because you're kind of talking about it and you're having these conversations. So it probably, it probably, I imagine you that you came across things that you, or, or read things, or maybe had ideas that you hadn't had before by engaging it that way, by having a, having it on your program. Were there any things about doing that series that you came across something maybe changed your mind or, or thought, I never thought about that, or that's an interesting point. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, honestly, Stephen, I, I think most of what I did has been what's in my mind for many, okay. many years, for 30 years. Uh, but sure, I, I think there were, I, I think especially reading Paul okay. and going through the letters, there, there were there were differences in how I looked at it. I'd always taken a little bit more of the mainstream Christian approach on Paul, which was, um, you know, a little more leaning toward the grace and we're against works and, 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 and that type of thing. But really digging in and articulating that because I knew that was a message that would be important for a Latter-day Saint audience is looking at grace and works. There's so much of that in Paul. As I pulled that together, I I, I really started uh, digging into N.T. Wright, the scholar N.T. Wright, who's an okay. expert at uh, at at the at, at Paul's letters, and even reading him and going through that, I I I felt that I had a much more supportive framework of talking about how both are required, because that's that's Latter Day Saint doctrine, right? You you've got grace that is crucial; it's given to everybody freely. But that creates opportunity. That that doesn't create you, right? You you've got to become, you've got to become something, and that is by using your agency. And uh, and so pulling those together, I think that I was able to articulate that a little bit more, both for myself and and to others after having dug into Paul a little bit more that first year. That's fantastic. And here I am, TBM engaging NT right from my camp. That's a beautiful thing. That's what I love about what I'm doing is this cross this and how how my movement can help inform you. And then you can articulate that to your to your audience. I think that's a beautiful thing. Evangelicals, what do you think? God, this guy's consulting uh, NT right when he's re reading Paul. What, what can... Well, I'll tell you also, we do a lot of interfaith stuff on the podcast. You know, I've got uh, I've got a good friend who's on sits on the synod of the uh, of the Bishop of Cambridge, the Church of England. I've had him on a couple of times. I had Derwin Gray on from the Transformation Church out in uh, South or North Carolina, I can't remember. And uh, I've had uh, discussions with rabbis. I'm a member of the uh, of the synagogue here with the Kabad class, uh, with the local uh, rabbi here in Scottsdale. And uh, yeah, I love that stuff. I, I love all that. That's that's. That's very enriching to me is getting involved in the interfaith uh, community. That is really cool that you are engaging evangelicals. You're engaging uh, people from other faith traditions. Uh, tell me about that experience. In, in, in particular, what have your experiences been like with evangelicals, whether it's on your show, on or off, and in uh, currently and also in the past? You know, it's it's strange. I, I don't know why this is, because I know more evangelicals, obviously, than I would any other sect, right? Any other Christian denominations. And and but I've I've been closer to Catholics and to those of the Church of England, um, Lutheran, uh, and uh, uh, others of the Anglican tradition, 
and then even Orthodox. I, I really am fascinated with, with Orthodox Christianity because it's, it's, there's so much there that we aren't a part of. When I say we, I mean, we in the West, right? Don't, don't get involved with that. I follow Jonathan Pajot a little and, and follow what he says. He's, he's a YouTuber and he's an Orthodox Christian from Canada. And, and I, I, there's just, there's a lot of Latter-day Saint doctrine with the Orthodox Christians. And so I've got friends there as well. Evangelicals, I've, I'm starting to move into that a little bit more. I, I've had a number of discussions with evangelicals. I've always felt that there's a little bit of kind of a, well, you're a good guy, you're a friend of mine, but I'm, I'm, I'm keeping you at arm's length a little bit. That, that is the sense I've usually had with that. I've tried to break that down a little bit, but, uh, you know, if it gets into theological discussions, there's, I've typically seen that kind of arm's length feeling there. Sure. And let me ask you a question. You're in Arizona, dude. You ever have any action, interactions with Apologia Church, James White, <laughs> and in that crew? You know, I've never heard from them. I'm actually surprised. But no, I've never had any interactions with them. I, I've, I've, I've watched snippets of debates that they've done with others, Latter-day Saints, uh, but, but I've never, never come across them. Okay. That's actually probably a, a good thing. Okay. Maybe keep them at arm's length. I would recommend uh, <laughs> those aren't that, that, that I am the counter in many ways. Now I I'm critical of them. Now I don't, mm -hmm. but I want to do it in a Christian way. Cause I don't want to make this an anti anything program, but I, I'm, I have criticisms about the way they conduct themselves and the way they engage the restoration. Um, but Jacob Hansen uh, actually got into a debate with mm -hmm. another latter latter day saint on one side and then two uh, representatives apology at church on the other and James White moderated the the debate and uh and 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 Jacob said his his experiences uh with those those two gentlemen who were with apology at church have been positive and have becoming friendships so it's not as though maybe maybe as a matter of fact I should probably have Jacob get you in touch with those guys because maybe those would be good people that you can interact with but overall I, I just find that it's very hurtful. I mean, let me ask you a question. Have you ever been hurt by an evangelical? Have you ever been attacked by an evangelical, whether it was in the mission field or anything on shore, maybe somebody commenting? Do you, do, do you get any kind of feedback from people like you that? You know, the only time that's happened, I think, um, I, I've had, when I had my, you know, let, let me first lay down a, a, something here. And that is that, almost always it is a positive experience okay even though there's some arm length issues there, there it's almost always a positive experience but a couple times with my wealth management firm i lost a couple of clients um when they found out i was lds and it was odd it was very odd but because uh, you know none of our relationship was based on anything like that we never talked about religion but as soon as they found out i was lds it was kind of like well we're, we're gonna it was funny on one of them it was interesting because i had gone for some clients i'll go to their homes or their 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 office their their businesses to to sit down and talk because i i would deal a lot with their businesses and uh and do some consulting with them and i had gone to the home of one and and really had kind of become friendly with this couple and they had I could tell they were trying to ask me, Hey, why don't you and so-and-so have a beer, you know? And, and I, and then there was a couple of other comments. I was like, okay, they're trying to find out for sure if I'm LDS. Hmm. And, uh, 
and and they did eventually and then they 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 went to another firm and you know that's okay that's that's what they choose if that's their value system and that's what they want that's fine but since other than that it's really only been in comments right i'll get a number of comments on our episodes that are you're not christian you're part of a cult you're part of the devil and his work um and those kind you know those types of comments but I, you know i don't really put much much value in that i don't think it's uh i i've had plenty of interaction with evangelicals to where i understand that that's a fringe uh type of comment and and in the comment section online you always know you're you, there's a good chance you're just getting the loudest most fringe on both sides so well i will say i've had some critics on the evangelical side but as they watch my program more and more many of them done a 180 and apologized for some of the earlier criticism mm -hmm. and said okay I, I i appreciate now better what you're doing because i said this is a resource folks for those of you who are evangelicals who want to engage church jesus christ latter-day saints um, this is a place where you can actually get uh, a channel with no agenda and, and having different people on. And, and that's the one thing I think is, is co cool about being able to talk to all these different people. And speaking of talking to lots of different people, last year, when he had about 700 subscribers, there's this guy named Jeff McCullough. Hmm. And he reached out to me after I appeared. Uh, it's interesting. Well, I appeared on Mormon Stories and I got on his radar that way. And it was actually because of Mormon Stories that we got in touch with each other. And I saw right away, I was like, oh, this guy's going to get really big, really fast. And he's going to pass me by because he's doing something really unique. And one of the cool things I think is that you you and him have interacted. Yes. And I just want to, and he's been very complimentary of you when I've talked to about, when we talked on the phone about you. That's, I was kind of feeling, feeling you out. And I thought, well, let me see what Jeff has to say about this guy. And he says, you've been very helpful to him, especially when now he's doing the read through of the Book of Mormon. Maybe just talk a little bit of what is it like to talk to like kind of now like a, a superstar <laughs> with Jeff McCullough, who's just kind of come out of nowhere and is really making impact in having these interfaith dialogues. Yeah, I really like Jeff. Um, and, and again, if someone's an evangelical wondering what my attitude is on all those, you can watch that interview with Jeff that I did. And you can also watch uh, Derwin Gray, who's an evangelical. But uh, with Jeff, I, I think it's fascinating what he's doing. I'm surprised it hasn't been done before. And I'm also not surprised because I don't know. He, he's stepping into an area where he's going to get attacked from both sides. And and yet he's become very, very popular. And, and that's kind of what I feel I've done, in, even within the LDS church, right, is, is I kind of have this. I get attacked from both sides on on, on everything. And, and, and I think that there is some value to that. Uh, and that's what Jeff's done from the evangelical side. I mean, he's going to have detractors that are evangelicals. What are you doing? How can you possibly even move into this? You're reading the Book of Mormon and putting it on in public. And so I can tell, you know, when he's when he's doing this, and I've watched him uh, as he's covered First and Second Nephi in the introduction. I think he's done three episodes on the Book of Mormon. Uh, I can tell that he's needing to navigate that, and I think that's okay. That's the right thing, right? He he needs to. You you have. For example, when I did the interview with him, um, again, there were detractors in the comments on both sides, many things that I had to filter out, which is what happens on every episode. That's nothing unique, but it's, uh, you know, you, you have people that say he's a, he's a, he's a wolf in sheep's clothing and he's doing this, but his real objective is to turn everybody from the church and, and, and go from there. Right. And, and on the other side, you have evangelicals 
that are saying, what are you doing? And, you know, yeah, I can't believe you're reading the Book of Mormon with this and you're, you know, and, and, and there can be some, you know, oh, vile, but maybe approaching vile comments on both sides on that. And, and yet, and yet, I, I think when he, I, I think if you just simply understand this guy is a converted evangelical, he is an evangelical pastor. Do not approach this. It's hard for, I think, some Latter-day Saints to look at that and say, well, he has this sincere interest in the Book of Mormon. And if he doesn't have this sincere in interest in the Book of Mormon with the idea of possibly converting, then, then it's wrong, right? And, and it's, his approach is wrong and you got to watch out for him and, and et cetera. And, and I think if you just take it for what it is, in, in some ways, it's an olive branch that he's putting out there to Latter-day Saints. That's okay. That doesn't mean that he's he's trying to attack the church or that he is, you know, coming in as a wolf in sheep's clothing or or anything else like that. I appreciate the discussions that I've that I've had with Jeff and and we've gone over a few things and and in, in the Book of Mormon and talked about doctrine behind that and and uh, the way I approach it is you see that it's hard for evangelicals and for Latter Day Saints to approach this without having a missionary and convert, converting mind. It's, it's very difficult because we are both in both camps in that mindset, right? Is you, you've got a, a strong belief system and, and, and a, an idea of, well, wouldn't, you know, on the evangelical side, wouldn't it be great if they actually came to Jesus and, and became, you know, evangelicals and, and on the Latter-day Saints side, wouldn't it be great if they accepted Joseph Smith and the book of Mormon and, and, and that becomes front and center, but it doesn't always have to be that way. And, and, and if you just take it for what it is, for what he's doing, he's an evangelical pastor reading the book of Mormon. Just take it with that. That's what it is. That's all it is right now. Right. That's like, that's all it is. Then, then it becomes different. So for example, I can say to Jeff, instead of trying to say, I'm convincing him of something in the book of Mormon, and, and trying to make him see it my way, I would take more of an approach of, this is how Latter-day Saints would see it, right? This is, this is so you had a question about, uh, you know, something in Second Nephi. Well, this is, this is how Latter-day Saints would see this, and this is how the doctrine is usually, or sometimes a lot of Latter-day Saints see it like this, but I think it's like this, you know, so... Um, I, I just, I think that's the right approach with him. And that's the approach that he's taking. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I, I really appreciate what, um, what he's doing, you know, and just so you know, folks, I, I literally, I, especially in, in the ex Mormon community, I've been, uh, there's gossip going around that, you know, he's really on the church payroll. He's really, you know, I mean, that's how they see him that way. And I've had them. I said, no, he's not on the church payroll. No, they didn't oh. get secretly married in the temple. No, they didn't mean all this kind of stuff. I've seen that one. He was married in the temple. Yes. <laughs> so, so it's pretty wild to see all the uh, rumors and stuff go around, but it's interesting because, you know, this is the weird thing is that, you know, um, this is all relatively new and this is all within the last two years. I started my channel and then Jeff's doing his thing and they got David Boyce with 52 churches and we got all these mm -hmm. other evangelicals and Protestants that are engaging the restoration and having these conversations and I think it's really cool that you're having these conversations as well, because I think it's important that in this society that we live in, I was an atheist for like 12 years, right? That's my story. You can watch that on Mormon stories and stuff. But the thing is, is that 
in, in one sense, I don't like to look, my channel's apolitical. I don't get into the, the politics, but we also have to realize is that we have a, we are kind of living in a post-Christian world. We are living in the world that's becoming more secular. And we are living in the world, a world that, that is kind of also kind of becoming hostile towards religion, in particular Christianity. And so at that point now, the, the we're on a different footing now. And of course, you know, the evangelicals, we're ascendant. We're, we're still really big and we're probably the most powerful religious group in the world, considering how much political we control we have over this country. We're still very powerful and influential, but we are waning. And uh, the younger people are leaving our churches, just like they're leaving your church. So we have this we have this battle going on, dude. Yeah. Yeah, we have this battle going on and we need to work together on it. And it's, uh, you know, you're talking about the, the attacks on Christianity. I think it's, you, you know, you think about why would that be? Why, why, why Christianity? And of course, that is, uh, using the terminology today, that's the heteronormative religion and, and lifestyle, right, in, in the West. And so that's part of the reason why. But, you know, there's a certain doctrine that all Christians share that is very unique. And, and, and I think, I wish we would narrow it down to this a little bit more, but th that is that God is not just all powerful, right? He, he's some God that we need to bow to and, and, and uh, be obedient to, or there's punishment. And, you know, it, it's not, Christianity has this theology behind it that that i think sometimes is there but not expressed always and, and that is that god is as loving as you can possibly be in other words he gave up everything he condescended was born of a woman came down to mortality suffered through mortality like us lowered himself below us taking on our sins that it, when, when you really look at that it, it is something so unique and 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 so in some cases fantastic and unbelievable that to me is a real problem for some people whether they articulate it or express it or not and and that 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 god would be willing that a god of power would be willing to do that and that to me is uh, you know you can take that along with with the Greeks and, you know, kind of put Jerusalem and Alexandria together or Jerusalem and Athens together and you get the West. I, I think that that is a very strong underlying, although we don't follow it as we should, but that, that ethos in the West, I think is something that has been crucial to its success and something we're forgetting or that we don't keep in the conversation when there are attacks against Christianity. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing. Like I said, folks, I don't get into the cultural war stuff. Look, I had a, one of the biggest atheists come on my program um, to talk about stuff. So I, I'm not trying to say that everybody who has has left Christianity necessarily. I would I don't say you're the enemy. I'm saying you you your people. I'm going to have conversations with. But I also say I tell atheists. I said really, in one sense, you are just a type of Protestantism taken to its logical extreme. So you're still a product of Christianity and the West in many ways, because Western atheism is in many ways a very Christian worldview because they recognize the brokenness of our world as well um and so i feel like that those are conversations worth having as well but then we have like a lot of people um you know who who really have become very hostile 
to Christianity. And you know what? I kind of get that too. I was an atheist for a long time. I was hostile towards Christianity and religion. Mm -hmm. um, I was hurt by it. And so I want to hurt, fight back and push back on it. So I know where it's like to be on that journey. So for me, I'm highly sympathetic to the to a lot of, I, I know there's, I understand the reasons why people would want to dismantle Christianity. And, mm -hmm. and so, but I also recognize that, you know, I always go back to this. Christopher Hitchens was was presented a proposal or a thought experiment. And whether he came up with it or somebody brought it up to him, he had said, uh, somebody went to him and said, let's say everybody in the world is an atheist now. They all, it's all recognized. There's no God. We as a species, we it's like humanity has, but there's one holdout, one holdout who still believes. The question was proposed to Christopher. Christopher, would you go to that person and basically just show them you know, there ain't no God and convince them that there is no God. And he said, no, no, I wouldn't. Because even Christopher recognized that there was something about keeping somebody tethered to faith and that there he didn't want to completely blow out that light, that, that, that he would say, no, I wouldn't. I'd rather that person keep on having faith. That tells me a lot right there. Hmm. Christopher recognized the utility of, in one sense of religion and can understand it. So Richard Dawkins hated that answer, but I thought that that was one of the most thoughtful, beautiful answers that an atheist could give to that question. Just maybe respond to that. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense to me. Uh, I think that Christopher and I've, I've listened to and read a lot of Christopher Hitchens and all of the four horsemen and, and et cetera, et cetera, you know, and, and have listened to a lot of podcasts from, uh, uh, Boy, no, I'm not remembering his name. I see his face. Oh, it'll come to me in a minute. But uh, I don't, I, I just, look, all of culture comes from religion. Well, whether you like it or not, our culture comes from religion. It always did come from religion. You go to the ancient Middle East and you go to the Babylonians, the Assyrians, all the way back to the Sumerians, the Egyptians, the Canaanites, the Jews, the Israelites, right? It, it all comes from religion. And whether that religion is fully on track or or apostate, the civilization is built off of belief. It's built off of an order that is put in place in those countries. Now, some of those have are really faulty, and and others are do a little bit better of a job. But the West now is built off of Christianity, and it, its great successes are built off of Christianity and, and it's architecture, it's music, it's all of these things where, you know, they, they sprout out of religion. And if you take that away, I, I think it's, I think it's pretty hard to build anything mm. uh, w without that type of a belief system. So that, that answer makes all the sense in the world to me. So let me ask Sam you, Harris is who I was thinking. Sam about. Harris. I always forget his name too. And it was, it was that book letter to a Christian nation that I had my moment of de deconversion. I can, the, the, where I was reading and finally I said, okay, I'm out. And that was, that was his book. Uh, when I read a passage in that. So I, I know yeah. I've been through all the, all the way back. So it's just really interesting. But, and Sam Harris is actually an interesting thinker. I, I actually enjoy. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I find him fascinating. No, I listen to him. I like some of the things that he says. Once he starts going down an atheist path, I'll listen to him because I want to hear the arguments. I want to hear the thought process. I certainly don't agree with it. Um, and, uh, you know, in fact, I even used him early in one of my episodes is that when I'm talking about faith, I bring Sam Harrison on it. And he, I have a clip of him talking about what faith is. And I completely go along the lines. I said, look, if I thought this was what faith was, 
I, I, I'd, I'd have the exact same attitude as he does. Mm. And he, he's kind of bringing up faith as some kind of like this blind faith as this belief that's out in the ether kind of thing. And I'm like, look, if I had that kind of feeling about what faith was, then, then I'd, I'd, I'd be right along with it. Got it. Well, I need to ask you a question. Mm-hmm. Why are you such a lightning rod? Why am I such a lightning rod? Yeah, why, um, why is it that I'm going to get flack for having you on my program? <laughs> uh, I, I don't. I'll I'll give a guess. This is an educated guess. Um, I don't try to create an echo chamber. Um, I can see as I've gone through this the last few years how easy that would be, right? And how 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 I could, and I'm sure some, especially on the left, are going to think that I that is exactly what I'm doing. But they need to understand I get more criticism from the right than I do the left, hmm. and it's i can see how easy it would be to play to that audience and it, you, you, your subscribers are going to increase faster your your support your likes it's the power of social media right uh and i can see how that would work and and i've tried really hard not to bow to that and i don't for example go down a political ideological path outside of ideologies. I have, I'm very much against the woke world. I'm very much against those ideologies, but, but, but I have liberal leanings in, in some ways. And so I don't go down a Republican or a Democrat party path at all. I don't talk, I rarely ever bring up a politician. I don't bring up the parties. I, I, I don't, I, I, between me and you, Stephen here, I, I despise that world. Mm. I really do. I, I, I think the political parties in the U.S. are atrocious. Um, and, you know, usually the response on that is, well, one of these two parties is less evil than the other. or But, but usually it's the other party is absolute evil. And I just, I, so I try to stay away from that. And so I don't have full support on one side or the other. And so that creates a little bit more of that lightning rod, maybe that, that I have. The other thing I'd say is, you know, within the church, I I go after BYU, right? I, I go after them because there are problems there. And I'm not just going to go along with it. I, I don't believe in niceness as a virtue. I, I think it's an anti-virtue. I believe in kindness, but but I don't believe in just being polite and go along with everything and there's no conflict. Uh, so I go after BYU. I go after Deseret Book. Um, uh, I'm, I'm willing to go through and look at those things and talk about those things. And so I get flack from TBMs, right? Thinking that some of them, in fact, if they've seen me for the first time, they think I'm an anti-Mormon because I do that. They'll go in and think I am an anti-Mormon. I get a lot of comments that way. I'm like, yeah, just try it. Go, go through a few other episodes. I don't think you're going to come up with that result. But, you know, so it's, and then on the other side, it is I do hit against the identitarianism issues and and not not in each individual person, but as an ideology. And I go against the uh, the critical social justice that we're starting to see being brought into every institution in the U.S. and 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 to a lesser extent in the West. And I call it the religion of academia because it is a religion to me. 
It has rituals. It has beliefs. It has baptisms, so to speak. It, it has everything that you'd have in a religion. And it all sprouts out of the departments, especially the humanities and academia. And, uh, and so I go after that. And a lot of people don't like that. So you say you are critical of BYU and you say you are critical of Deseret Book. Uh, what is that all about? How, how can you do that? That's the church. That's the church publisher. Yeah. I, 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 <laughs> um, I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, I am, like I said, I, I, I am very sustaining of the brethren. I am a big supporter of the church. People that f end up following my channel long term, the majority of them are 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 probably understand that I'm very supportive of of the gospel and its tenets and of the church, because I am. Um, but these subsidiaries are run by individuals and have other people involved with them. And I would look at the departments even of the church inside, like the legal department and the PR department and other things like that, and say, yeah, this is. This is a different animal here. This is your you, you, the church has to not just be a a beacon to the world in its teachings and its priesthood, but but it is also part of the world in its organization and its subsidiaries and trying to work within the world right that way. And so there's a lot of problems in those areas, and uh, I think they need to be called out. Um, and then I guess because I am a book program mm -hmm. book reviews, because this is the morning media re reviews segment. Um, what can you give me examples of some books or publications from Deseret Publishing that have caused you to be critical of it? Um, so the two episodes I've done have actually been on their videos. Okay, and uh, they have a they have a new section online of, of Deseret Book, which is called Seek, S-E-E-K. And it has a number of videos that are on there. And, and one of them, for example, now has a video. Um, it's basically how to speak with someone who is gay within the church. Great. I think that's needed. I think we need to have that communication. Those things are wonderful. And I, I think it's very good to have that in the church. The problem is what it does is it starts talking about uh a support of breaking the law of chastity it talks about a support of um the pride flag right and waving the pride flag and and to me the issues i see there and, and what i usually do in the podcast is i take these kind of events and it's not that i'm just trying to be critical of what's going on with that i try to create commentary around that so that we can put some context into these things so there's some education and awareness that's going on there. That's the main thing I do. And uh, and so I just have a problem with the pride flag. I, 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 and, and, you know, I don't care if someone wants to wave it on their lawn or anything. I have no issue with that whatsoever. But if the church is doing it and yet they believe in a family doctrine, there's there's something that goes along with that pride flag, which is much greater, which which is... I mean, I, I see the pride flag waved in many different places. I see it with drag queen events going at elementary schools. I see it in use for support of a 12-year-old girl who wants to have transition surgery. You know, I, there, there, there's so many things that go along with that, that, that I have a hard time understanding why the church would do that. Again, if some individual wants to do that, I'm all for 
your agency and what you want to do and you you have your belief system fine it's just inside the church that i think there's a problem with that the other one was an anti-racism course that never came to fruition um but i was uh i had some information on that and and some of it co its content and just the way the tenants that were being used were very ibram kendi-ish uh although he wasn't being brought up and, and the author of that course made that very clear to me that's true he was not brought up but still anti-racism is not just being good between the races that's not what it means and, and anybody who studies the history of anti-racism where it comes from and critical race theory and going back through kimberly crenshaw and Derek bell and back to marcusa and the frankfurt school and everything else that goes along with that it's it's not it's not having better race relations. That's not what it's about. Well, I know this is going to generate some uh, controversy, of course, because I do have a following in the LGBTQ community. Um, Great. Yeah, I, I do too, by the way. Okay. And and that's the thing, you know, because, you know, and, you know, we've talked about this, you know, of course, uh, before about um, that I'm a gay man and I've had yeah. Jackson Washburn come on my program, who's who's a gay man. And yeah. we had a we had a conversation about his sexuality briefly on my interview with him. And because when we, when I first interviewed Jackson, I had like 150 subscribers and we didn't know anything about each other. And then shortly thereafter, he comes out of the closet. He gets that letter from Elder Holland. I'm like, you want to come back on talk? And he says, no, I, I'm not doing any podcasts. So his very first episode back to be interviewed was just last month when I had him mm -hmm. on. And we just had a conversation about, you know, because being gay men um, in, in a Christian world mm -hmm. uh, is, is a, is a, is a, is a very, it's a, it's a minefield it is but also absolutely this, but it's also a it is a tightrope but i will say uh and then one day i'm gonna have a conversation i'm gonna do a talk about this the role that gay men in particular the impact that we've had on christianity is one of the most underwritten unknown stories in the history of christendom it's a really important thing the important role that gay men have played in in the, in, in in throughout the history of, of christianity and so i think that that's that's why I do get concerned when I see people because I, I don't I don't really like I'm not one of those people who's going to go to a gay pride parade. And the reason why I wouldn't go to a gay pride parade is because pride is a sin. Um, but the, the thing is, is that I, I I'm not that's not how I'm wired. But I respect, mm -hmm. you know, if you want it, if it motivates you and, and this and informs you, that's fine. But I do think that it is a, it's a conversation worth having. Because because I also recognize the important role that Christian gay people have had in the in the Christian world, and I just don't want my community, if you will, and I don't identify with any community because I'm just I'm a, I'm an iconoclast, uh, you know I don't belong to anybody or anything, but I don't want to see them just to throw the baby out with the bathwater, and in one sense, yes, the rainbow flag has become a political symbol mm -hmm. as well. It's perceived as a political symbol, just like in many ways in some quarters and the progressive side, the American flag has become a political symbol too. You know, exactly. So that's that's kind of become more the world that we're in, and so I'm just trying to to have these conversations, knowing that. You know, this is all part of our journey. And we are, all, and God showed me early on with my program, before I started my program, God told me, he said, listen, he kind of said, that person on the other side of the street that's holding a sign that's opposed to your worldview, and you're on your side holding your sign. He said, just remember that person on the other side there is a fellow image bearer, fellow image bearer. So that's how I try to go about it. When I deal with people that I don't agree with, I tell people 90% of the guests on my program in one sense, I disagree with because I'm an evangelical, right? But mm -hmm. yet I can still have this conversation and do it in a, in a civil way. 
And part of it is, is motivated by the idea, fellow image bearer. And that's how we have to look at people on an individual basis rather than put people in groups and then say you have to stay in that group and realize that we're all part we're all part of the same family. I completely agree with that. One th one thing I cover a lot on the podcast is is identity, and and so you know President Nelson, for example, has talked. I I have something I call the identity hierarchy that he kind of went over. I call it President Nelson's identity hierarchy, and I really believe that what they're doing there is they're trying to say, look, you might have a sexual orientation, you've got a race, you've got a gender. You've got all these different identities, but none of them are as important as being, number one, a child of God, right? And that's what we need to look at first. And so the idea of how do you speak to someone who's gay and how do you how do you understand them more and et cetera, I think is a really important thing. And I've said that. I've had several gay men on the podcast, several. And and I use that's where I get a lot of pushback, right? How can you have somebody on that's gay that is... And it's the thing is, is that the gay men that I've had on the podcast are actually TBMs and they're, they, they go to the temple and they are, um, you know, and I think in the church in the latter day with the latter day saints, one of the big issues is there aren't enough of those voices of, of gay individuals that are trying to live by the standards of the church. And so I try to give them a platform. I want more and more of a platform there for that, because usually, whether it's inside Latter-day Saint circles or outside in, in the Mormon world more broadly, including Exmos and Progmos and everything else, it's usually the, the, the it, it's marriage in the temple versus LGBTQ. And, and I don't believe that that's, that's really the way it should be formatted, right? I don't, I don't believe that that's the way it should be framed. So, and one thing I learn a lot from, I've got a friend who's been on two or three times, a gay man, uh, lived a very interesting life and had, you know, gone down certain paths in that LGBTQ area for years, decades. And, uh, but it's just the, the, the greatest guy and, and has a very strong um, sense of, a relationship with God. In fact, he he has always wanted that in his life. And, uh, you know, one thing he's taught me is, look, one, one thing to look at, and so I try to do this a little bit more, is how do you talk to someone who is gay, even if they're living a full, even if they're in the hookup gay culture, right? What, how, how do you talk to somebody like that about the church? How do you talk to somebody like that about Jesus Christ? And, 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 and making sure that that pathway of communication is a little bit more open. So there's things I've learned there from, uh, from talking with him and, and others. And, 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 and you know what's an interesting thing, Stephen, is you get, for example, Craig, who I'm talking about, uh, who's a friend of mine, he, he identifies as, like you said, gay, right? He says gay. There are others inside of the church that don't want to use that term because they feel it is representative, kind of like the pride flag, right? A representative of a lifestyle that they don't live. And so just like, you know, they go along with more like what the church says, which is same-sex attraction that a lot of people have a problem with. But that's what they identify. I have same-sex attraction, and but they won't use the term gay. And yet, you know, my friend who's a total TBM, he wants to use the term gay. He doesn't understand why he wouldn't use that. And so a lot of people, when I say, okay, I've got a, this gay 
man on the church, uh, uh, who's a TBM on the church with the church and he's on the podcast, they're going to think immediately he's got this entire lifestyle that's going along with him. Um, and it's like, look, some people do, but, but some people don't. And, and so the term gay becomes kind of a lightning rod in a way, because not everybody understands always what that means. Does that make sense to you? Total sense. Absolutely. And that's the thing, you know, I mean, of course, I grew up in a very anti-gay world, evangelical world. It's funny because I was recently a guest on an evangelical show for teenagers hmm. and they didn't bat an eye. So I thought, hmm. interesting. So I just said, well, I'm just going to skip over all the other previous generations, just talk to the youth, you know, what I'm going to be doing with Saints Unscripted. And just and just approach it that way, because see, uh, but yeah, that's that's the thing, like, you know, and. And just so you folks, just just to give you context, when I say that there's the important role gay people play, first of all, look up Lonnie Frisbee. Lonnie Frisbee, there is no Vineyard Church and there's no Calvary Chapel, two important charismatic denominations. If we didn't have Lonnie Frisbee, who was a, who was a gay man, help found those churches. We also have Bonhoeffer, the great great 20th century Christian martyr that everybody mm -hmm. views. Yeah. So when I say there's important roles that gay men have played in particular into the in the church, that's those would be two examples that I would have people to look up and learn about. And because a lot of people never heard of Lonnie Frisbee, but because he's been whitewashed, but he played an, an important role in the charismatic renewal movement. And so that's the thing, though, too. See, what I think what I like to do and I think what you like to do is like I tell people is I feel comfortable in the places that most people feel uncomfortable because I'm willing to engage ideas that are different than mine. I'm willing to uh, think about them, contemplate them, and then have people that I that I have opposite views of with and have in my program and then just have a civil co conversation. I love the fact you have a lot of gay men come on your program and have these conversations. I love the fact that you have an, a strong opinion about something that other people may not agree with you, but it seems like you're doing it in a civil, decent way. And I think that that's the most important thing because you and I, you know what? We could have two different shows where you and I could go like this and have debates mm -hmm. and everything like that. But we've chosen not, we're both capable of doing that. But we've chosen to, yeah, and, and again, I have, I give my opinions. I'm not afraid to hold back. I've, I've called out people on my show. Don't, don't, don't pretend that I haven't, because I have, folks, you know. So I'm willing to do battle when it's necessary. But I think the most important thing is that, do we have a heart? What's our, what's our spirit? You know, what, 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 what kind of spirit are we approaching this with, right? And then also, you know, and, and so I think when I talk to you, it seems every time I've had a conversation with you, I'm like, I really like this guy. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that there's more to you, you know, because even even when you you and I talk off camera, it's like, and this guy's it can be very critical of other conservative of conservatives talking off the record with me. And I thought there's you're, you're much more than the caricature that a lot of people would have, whether on either side, how they have you viewed, whether you're right. anti-Mormon or you're, you're whatever, uh, you know, it's just fascinating to me that how people you're, you've become like a Rorschach test, right. Of how people see you, how, maybe respond to that. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, you talk about, you know, light and being a lightning rod, I guess, you know, I, 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 I will say, and this is probably to a fault, I have a, I don't, I think I get this from my dad to some degree, but I, I just don't have a, how do I say this? I don't care as much as a lot of people do about what people think about me. Uh, now, now let me put a caveat on that. I do care, but I don't think I care as much as some people do. And 
I care immensely what my wife and my kids and my extended family and my friends think of me, right? Obviously, that, that's, that's very, very important to me. But I, beyond that, I, I don't, I just, and I think I'm going in the opposite direction that the world is with social media, right? Or it's like, you, you, you need the likes, you want the support, and you want to feel like you belong in with something. I, I don't have that same sense. Like to me, my belonging is to my family and my friends and to my church. And, and outside of that, it's, there, there, it's just becomes a lot less what I'm concerned with. And so I know I'm going to get brushed back on things on both sides, right? That, that I'm going to get that, but I don't know. That's kind of what the show's about. You know, I think I'm going to have you back on and I, I have a few more questions for you because yeah. the ne next time we're going to have you on is one, uh, well, at least, well, maybe I'll have you back on a few more times. One, we want to talk about your book that's coming out. So when the book comes out, I want to talk about that, but I also want to talk more about your past, but I, I feel like this is the episode where we talk about the quick show. I think this has been the, the good for this, but I, I do want to ask you a few personal questions because I think this is really important for our dialogue. So if you don't sure. mind, I'm just, well, these are questions more, well, let me just say uh i like to i tell evangelicals i want you to ask mormons three questions when you engage them and these are the three questions i want to ask you so here's number one what is your favorite book of mormon story um my favorite book of mormon story is alma the younger okay so a guy who is off the rails he's an anti-mormon so to speak <laughs> and uh makes a 180 degree turn and it's not just my favorite story I, I think it's the most christian of stories and i think that the way it is written when he goes in in mosiah 27 he repeats it i believe in alma 36 maybe but it's it's mosiah 27 that that the way he talks in there is just so poetic and just it's to me it's just incredible writing and uh so yeah i, I just that idea of that turn, that idea of repentance, not in a way, again, I think, you know, our world right now, it's not in a way of like, well, I'm going to submit to something dominant and I've got to repent. It, it's, look, I, I want to become something and, and, and I'm willing to enter into what I call the fluid hierarchy. And that requires humility and repentance and, and lowering yourself just like Christ did even in Gethsemane and on the cross. And so that's that's my favorite Book of Mormon story. Okay, well, that's and then of course, yeah, that's great. And it is kind of like a born again story. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. So that should resonate with my evangelical audience. So now let me ask you, what is your favorite Bible story? Wow, um, to study and to think about is usually I'm going to say the Adam and Eve story. Oh, um, actually, in there and understanding. Uh, the symbolism there. To me, that is a vision that Moses is having. He has it on Sinai. And so I would, I was going to say my other favorite story is Sinai, Moses on Sinai. Um, and what's going on there with the children of Israel, where he first comes down with that first set of tablets. He breaks them. Most would say he's going to come down with something very similar the second time to me and to Latter-day Saints. It is something completely different when he comes down with those tablets the second time. Uh, something of a lower law, but I love the, I, the, I love, I, I love the Adam and Eve story and, and, and 
understanding that this is visionary language and symbolism and, you know, Adam and Eve are real, right? Um, Cain and Abel are real, but, but just the idea of that's us. We partake of the fruit. We fall. We need a savior. Um, we have to get past what I believe are the cherubim, which are is judgment. Because it's not there before they take of the fruit. The cherubim come after. That's judgment. And we have to get back to the tree of life. And of course, that ties in with Lehi's, Lehi's dream as well. Mm, beautiful. And then, of course, um, my final question in this little this round is who is Jesus to you? Wow, we need another hour on that one. Um, number one, he's my savior. Uh, and what I mean by that specifically is that he had the love necessary. And we're talking love of action and suffering and sacrifice. The love necessary to fight for me and to do everything to its extreme to save me, which in context is giving me the opportunity to grow and to have a fulfilled life in mortality and beyond and real joy, right, from that and truth. Um, but I also would say something else, and, and that is apart from him being God, the son of God, um, I do see him also as a prophet, as Moses would call him, and a restorer. I see him not just as the Savior, and that's the most important thing, obviously, Gethsemane and the cross and, 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 and the tomb, but he also restored the truth, I believe, in when he was there. He restored what I would view as the Melchizedek and patriarchal priesthoods. Um, he's there with John the Baptist, the icon of the Aaronic priesthood. He's the son of Zacharias, who was visited by Gabriel at the altar of incense, which is an Aaronic altar in front of the veil. And um, he's there with Jesus, who represents the new Melchizedek, as you read in the book of Hebrews. Um, it's, it's a restore of priesthood. He's going to restore everything, truth, priesthood. And, and in that sense, I see him also as that mediator of, of he's not the father. Um, he's came down and became mortal and, and went through the suffering. And so I can sense a bond with him, perhaps that I would the same, not the same that I would have with the father. Okay. Wow. Uh, I really appreciate you sharing those uh, answers with me because I think that's the most important thing about doing this dialogue is I want evangelicals. I want you to comment on what he just said. I also want to hear from TBMs. I want to hear from atheists. I want to hear from all of you. I'd like to get some feedback from those, from some of the things that he said, and maybe some of the things I said that you agree or disagree with. And again, let's have a civil conversation about it. I think that's the most important thing. And I think that's the, the, that's how it can be done. Um, you know, I, I really am excited about having you come back on because I think we can continue having these very, very interesting conversations. And I think at some point I might also be coming on your program as well to continue the dialogue to, yeah. to, with your audience. And uh, I look forward to having this conversation with you. Just a quick reminder, folks, February 13th, uh, we are doing that uh, movie pre uh, screening 
in downtown Salt Lake City, the return of Elder Pingree. And we're going to have him there for Q&A. I want to tell people that are both post-Mormon and true blue Mormons, you will uh, be uh, blown away by this movie. Um, so six o'clock, it's called Brewvies in uh, downtown Utah. It has a restaurant style place so you can order dinner and watch your movie then. And then we, so doors open at six o'clock, February 13th. Um, we will be getting more information out that about that in the channel. Um, you know, before, just one quick question, Greg, before I let you go, was there anything yeah. that you wanted to, uh, one last, any final words you'd like to share with the audience? Any final words? Um, I would say if if you have a reaction one way or the other off of this interview, I, I hope that you go to the YouTube channel or the podcast and listen a little bit more yeah. and get a little bit more context about context. what we're talking about. And and uh, you could even go to my website at quickmedia.com, cwicmedia.com, and, and check things out and see what, what we're all about. Well, so we'll leave links in the description for those of you who'd like to check out what he's doing. It's quite really interesting. He's building something. It's growing. Like I said, it's full-time. And so you are a very important voice within the restoration, a growing influential one. And uh, so you're part of the conversation that we need to have these dialogues with. So also just a reminder, it also there are links if you'd like to financially support the channel on both PayPal, as well as Patreon, as well as the merch store, mormonbookreviews.com, where you can get, I'll call them hot chocolate mugs. Uh, these are very popular, as well as many other items. And uh, again, leave, leave us your feedback. Looking forward to it. And just don't forget to like and subscribe. And don't forget to hit the notification bell for when a new episode comes out. But remember, folks, the most important thing is, remember, all the voices of the restoration will be heard here on Mormon Book Reviews.